Welcome to the Fried Harman Leadership Podcast from the Center for Excellence in Spiritual Leadership, the podcast dedicated to developing and encouraging spiritual leaders for the kingdom. Welcome to season two of the FHU Leadership Podcast. This is episode two, and we are joined by Dr. Mark Blackwelder. Hello, Mark. Hey, Josh. How are you today? Good. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. And we are talking about a very important subject today. We're talking about uh, communication within churches. And so, Mark, um, you, you've been involved in this field for a long time and have been involved in ministry and missions. And so you've seen this from various areas and perspectives. And so let's begin by thinking about uh, some of the challenges we see in the local church with communication. Well, as you know, Josh, communication is a central component of good relationships in all kinds of arenas, and certainly that's true in the church. Uh, churches are full of really good people, and they want to accomplish the goals and mission of the church. Uh, they're on board with those kinds of things. Many times people don't know exactly what's expected of them related to communication. Uh, no news is good news for some people. They think things are coasting along just fine and perhaps don't realize that uh, they've gone down a direction maybe they don't want to go or that other people are not on board with that. And I think maybe uh, those are two of the things that, that come up most frequently, uh, one of them having to do with uh, casting a vision and communicating that effectively so that people really know where they're going. That It's incumbent upon leaders uh, to do that and to make sure that that is well known. You see that sometimes in some churches, you'll see their mission statement or vision statement posted on the wall, you know, and that, that's nice. Uh, you hear occasionally from the pulpit, this is who we are, this is what we're about, those things are good, but multiple streams of communication, giving the congregation a sense of where they're going and what their role in that is, is really important. And we often do not do that very effectively, and so the congregation sort of lists a bit, it just drifts without a clear sense of direction. The other thing has to do with involvement. Uh, we, we don't necessarily always do as good a job as we could of helping people to see the opportunities that are before them. I mean, we, we think we post something in the bulletin saying, okay, this activity is coming up, you know, and that's, that's good. I talk frequently with, uh, with youth ministers about multiple streams of information. There are a lot of different populations that need to be aware of what that ministry is doing. You've got parents, you've got church leaders, you've got the kids themselves and uh, resource people that might be brought in. And they don't all speak the same language. They don't all use the same media. They don't all get their information from the same sources. And so using multiple streams of information is very important. But I would argue that that's true in most ministries in the congregation. You need to ask yourself, how do I get this message out? How do I make sure that the people who need to be involved in this are prepared and equipped as they should be? So there's just a couple of areas where I think we might need to do some work. So is it possible to over-communicate your vision and, and Speaking practically, how many, how often should we talk about who we are and where we're going, and how how do we communicate that rather than just saying the same thing over and over again? How can that be communicated in various ways? Good question, Josh. And you know, I think generally speaking, there's no such thing as too much communication, but there can be overly repetitive communication. Uh, we keep saying the same things in the same ways, and people say, "Oh no, here it comes again." You know, and I think we do have to be careful about that kind of thing. And what you're suggesting even by your question is that we may need to think about alternative ways of expressing those sorts of things. Do we need to be communicating our vision and mission regularly? Yes, we do. Do we need to be using the same trite uh, wording for that? Maybe not. Uh, maybe just 
reminders in a variety of different settings, maybe some more practical ways of considering uh, who we are and what we're doing, uh, using different wording. But I still think it's the case that uh, we need to be capturing our vision in with some precision. Uh, most of the time, vision and mission statements, purpose statements are articulated in a way that's very purposeful and need to be. And so you want to use that kind of language. That language was selected intentionally. But at the same time, you might want to make some expression of those in alternative ways to make sure that it doesn't just become dismissed. People quickly tone out, tune out as soon as they begin to hear that. Uh, if you can you find stories of that being accomplished and then emphasize that is this is we're living out that vision in this way, then that helps give an emphasis uh, to it, doesn't it? That's right. You know, you want to you want to say, look what we did. Yeah. And look what happened over here. This is consistent with who we are. So you're calling attention to situations where our vision and, and mission have been enacted and saying, this is what we're talking about when we use that expression. And then, then when you repeat that expression, it's much more meaningful. So connecting that to real world situations would be very helpful. Yeah. So, uh, well, let's, let's kind of break down a few areas. So what uh, advice or thoughts would you have on, we'll kind of go with elder to elder, elders to deacons, and then we'll say uh, eldership to church. Okay. So we'll just kind of go for those three areas for a moment here. So what advice or thoughts would you give on how an eldership within itself should communicate? Okay. Well, I don't serve as an elder. Mm -hmm. uh, I have seen both functional and dysfunctional elders uh, attempt to do things like this. Uh, what I would suggest is that if we start with the premise that the eldership is an entity, uh, that the elders do not function in their areas of the church individually. I know the elders that I work with now from time to time will remind various people when they talk to them, none of us speaks for the eldership. Mm -hmm. The eldership has to make corporate decisions and they have to communicate that in a way that is uh, inclusive of what the elders as a whole intend to, to communicate out. And so that means they have to be on the same page. Mm -hmm. And that's only going to happen if they communicate regularly. The most obvious example, of course, of that is the meetings that elders have with one another. Now, we could spend we could spend this entire podcast simply talking about the small group communication that takes place in elders' meetings, and we're not going to do that. Suffice it to say, there's got to be transparency and honesty in those kinds of gatherings. They need to be communication skills related to conflict resolution because you've got some varied perspectives and opinions about a variety of different areas. Um, our elders, I think, do a very good job of saying, let's, let's hash this out uh, with as much passion and uh, permission to disagree as possible. But when we leave this meeting, we're going to present a unified, uh, unified front. I think that's important. Uh, you don't have to hide or be hypocritical to say, yes, we disagree sometimes, but in the end, this is the consensus. This is where we came out. So whatever communication tools within meetings it takes to accomplish that, are very, very important. And then I'm a big believer in transparency with the congregation uh, to the degree that it can be. Obviously, um, elders need to decide among themselves what kinds of things can be shared with larger populations and what can't be. And that, that itself has to be a function of communication within the eldership itself. I think also um, many elders are going to uh, listservs and other communication tools within the eldership so that they send them, for example, the elders at Estes where I work, they have an elders at Estes email. email. Mm -hmm. and so I send it to one of those, it goes out to everybody, and they use 
and they have a separate one that does not include the preachers and they have one that does for the kinds of communication that they need to do. I think they are regularly in communication with one another in that way. And so tools that you may use, we also have uh, we also have a Breeze uh, software application, church software application that they're able to use to manage communication too. So again, multiple streams of communication and then making sure that that communication is honest and transparent. Yeah. Yeah, uh, very good thoughts there, Mark. And those can be really challenging uh, when you're dealing with problems and making sure that, that, that there is honesty and openness and that every elder feels like they have their say and they can, because often, you know, and it's with the congregation, it's also with the eldership. People often don't have to have it their way, but they want to feel like they've been heard. Right. And if they feel like they've been heard and their opinion has been valued, then they can move on and accept the group's collective decision. But if they feel like they've been put off and, and shunned and not respected, then it makes it often hard. And so Absolutely. That, that's that small group communication. With, with, um, with elder to elder, we've kind of talked about that in meetings, and you gave some great suggestions there with email and things. What about how should elders communicate with deacons, and uh, why is that important? Well, the nature of the role of a deacon, as I understand it in Scripture, is to facilitate the practical ministry of the church in some respects. And I'm a big believer in very specific job descriptions for deacons so that there are clear expectations. And if the elders communicate those, that's the first thing that has to happen. The elders need to communicate with deacons as they are appointed. Here is the area of responsibility that you have. Uh, here are the, the kinds of things that we expect to see happen. Here are the circumstances in which you need to communicate with us before you move forward and here are those circumstances where you have the autonomy and authority to be able to accomplish your mission without checking in with us so those kinds of things on the front end a clear job description i think is really really important beyond that then set up some schedule of regular feedback mm -hmm. you know uh, is do you do you meet with all your elders on a quarterly basis uh, what kind of circumstances might might necessitate a conversation in the in the middle of that time period or whatever and then how, what's that conversation like you bringing multiple deacons in together for example on a Sunday afternoon and saying tell us a little bit about your area of work and is there anything that you need and is there anything that that you think we need to know things of that nature so uh, if you if elders are going to eld as mm -hmm. we sometimes say if they're going to be able to serve an oversight capacity if they're going to be able to attend to the spiritual needs of the people if they're going to serve as pastors and shepherds that means they have to not be handling some of the practical mm -hmm. elements and that means they need to deacons to be authorized to do those kinds of things and the communication about how and when those things are done is very very important they they cannot delegate away responsibility for the ministries of the church they must always oversee those but being able to communicate effectively with the deacons who are in charge of those kinds of things means that they can rest a little easier knowing that those those things are indeed happening without having to micromanage them. Yeah. And if I was, I'm not a deacon, as you were saying, uh, talking about that, but I'm not one. But if I was one, I think it would be very frustrating to be in a situation where you have a, an appointment, but you don't have a role. You don't have a description, so you don't know your expectations. And so I think that I think that's what you're saying is very important so that deacons then can accomplish what, what they um, – set out to do their right. goals you know they can feel good about i'm doing what the elders want me to do and so they know it um any anything then um we've talked about elders to deacons what about elders the eldership i should say uh to the congregation um what, what tips would you give there and how often should they make announcements and let, even if they're like going through a building project or going through a church uh, minister hiring situation 
What's some tips on that? All right, I, I'm a big uh, proponent of elders being before the congregation in a variety of different ways. Uh, I want to do things, I want the elders, I want to see the elders doing things that communicate their role. And by that, what I mean is, for example, if elders are taking responses after the invitation, what they're saying is we're, we're responsible for spiritual well-being in this church. Uh, if they're making the announcements or, or articulating call to worship at the beginning of the service, what they're saying is this is, this is something we accept responsibility for. So there are a lot of things like that that when elders are in front of the congregation regularly, there's an opportunity for all kinds of different communication that need to take place. Now, in terms of particular situations, a couple of which you mentioned, um, again, I'm a big believer in transparency mm -hmm. to the degree that you, that you can be. Obviously, elders are aware of situations that are sensitive and require confidentiality, and they can't just have an open-door policy in every regard. It would be disrespectful of the privacy of some of the members and the situations that are taking place around them. But to the degree that you can, um, Tell the congregation what's going on. Uh, for example, the Estes Church is, is undertaking a building program right now. All this happened right about the time when supply chain issues caused expenses related to the building project to go through the ceiling. So they had to come back for the congregation and say, it seems most prudent right now for us to delay a little bit. And for them to get up every couple of months and say, here's where we are. This is, you know, we, we believe that things are, are moving toward being able to move forward with the project. We're consulting with the architect again to make sure expenses are going to be the same. We're talking with lenders to make sure that the rates will be acceptable. And so, to, to, you know, the congregation doesn't need to know all the specific details about that. You wouldn't have time for Lord's Supper and a sermon if you did that. But they do need to, they need to hear from the elders, primarily just because it sends a strong message that nothing's being done in a corner. Yeah. They, that this is our project. That's very inclusive uh, rhetorical uh, purpose is as people not only hear the, hear the words and know the information, but they are assured that nothing is being done that is beyond them or aside from what they might like to see the congregation doing. So those sorts of things. Uh, you mentioned preacher searches. Mm -hmm. Why, what's, how's the process going on? You don't have to get up there and name names of people who are applying. I know that's sometimes a sensitive situation, but to say, we, we, have, we have a dozen applications. We have filtered those and found four that seem to be reasonable candidates. We're going to introduce those folks to you as the process goes on so that you can meet them and, and give us your feedback on that. So those kinds of things are really important. Uh, anything that, that I'm also a fan of congregational meetings from time to time, not frequently. Once a year, my judgment is usually enough to give people a voice as they say, here's some things that bother us. And for elders to be able to stand up there in a non-defensive posture and say, okay, I hear what you're saying there. We may not be able to, to do everything the way everybody wants to, but I, we assure you that how, what you think matters to us. Uh, get feedback. When, you, when you're thinking about appointing new elders, how open is that process? Is that, is that something that takes place where they just kind of replace themselves? Or are we asking for suggestions and things like that? All those things communicate strongly that we the people, we the congregation, are, are we're valued and we, uh, we have a voice in, in any of these processes that come up. So I think being available to the congregation, uh, our elders, uh, every, after every worship service, two of them are in their conference room for people who want prayer or have a conversation, things like that. So all that sends a signal that, that they are open and available 
And so those kinds of things uh, can make a real difference in the way the congregation perceives their leaders. Mark, you really said some really good things there. Uh, a lot of rich content on thinking about uh, projecting an environment and an attitude that the eldership is giving to the church about their openness, about their transparency. Because uh, like it or not, there tends to be a little bit of suspicion by the congregation of eldership that they have this knowledge that they're not sharing at times and that they're keeping things back from them. And they understand that that's often necessary. Mm. But I think, would you say that the more elders try to alleviate that, the better? Yeah, I think that's a healthy thing. Uh, again, everyone is suspicious of closed circumstances. Yeah. Uh, they wonder, what in the world's going on back there? And so I think you can even be open and transparent about what you can't share. For example, there are times that people come to us, for an eldership to say, there are times that people come to us with very sensitive personal mm -hmm. issues, and we want to protect their confidentiality, and you can be assured that if you come to us, we will protect yours. Mm -hmm. But things that are not in that category want to be very open with you, and that just kind of helps them to understand and be reminded of the sensitive nature of what information can be shared and what can't, and I think that will itself help to alleviate some of that suspicion. Uh, Mark, um, so we've talked about elders to to elders and, and elders to deacons and elders to the congregation. What about, um, kind of changing gears here, what about members? And so if we have just, you know, listeners out there who say, well, I'm not, I'm not an elder, this doesn't apply, I'm not a deacon, uh, what would you say they could do to facilitate communication within a congregational setting? Well, the first thing that I would say is, uh, again, you mentioned earlier, I, I talked about creating an environment. That's true here as well. Uh, People who feel free to express themselves, who know that they can say what they think needs to be said with sensitivity and grace, but nonetheless be forthright and honest about that, are more likely to be comfortable in the church and more likely then to express ideas that could be helpful in the church's ministry. And so I would just simply suggest develop a relationship with your church leaders and with other members. Sometimes It seems sometimes the people who complain the most are less connected to others in the church you know and and i think those two things are related uh less connectedness means more frustration because you don't really feel like you matter and so develop relationships develop relationships with your church leaders develop relationships with your other christians uh develop relationship with people in ministry so that you can come to come to them and talk about things that matter to you um we often see, you know this, Josh, we, we frequently express frustration and even heartbreak at, at those who are just only marginally connected mm -hmm. to the church. And we want, we want them to be more included, but sometimes people hold you at arm's length and sometimes people are more private and sometimes people more introverted and less outgoing. And all those things are okay. It's okay to be introverted. It's okay to be less outgoing. Uh, it's okay to be very private. But unless you begin to share a little of yourself with others, you're not really going to be able to sustain relationship. And so, um, and within relationship, you can say almost anything. Yeah. And so, start with relationship. Get comfortable with people. Look for look for ways to get in each other's homes, uh, places outside the lobby. I mean, our conversations in the lobby are are good, but they're very generally superstition super, superficial. And so find, finding ways to have more serious conversations where you can be transparent with others about the struggles you face, uh, where you can 
uh, express some chagrin or consternation about the things that are not going the way that you wish they would uh, to the right people. I'm not talking about gossip here, but I'm talking about taking the message to the person who can actually do something about it or getting people to check you and say, I'm, I'm a little frustrated about this. Should I be? Uh, or is this just a necessary, somebody else may be able to bring in a, a perspective that would suggest, okay, this just this just the way things have to be in certain areas. And so the more of that kind of communication that is humble and, uh, and open-minded and gracious uh, will help every relationship in the church. Amen. When you talk about being gracious, I'm reminded of a story one time I heard about a man who he had been a close friend with an elder, and he had um, often would complain about things and talk about things and that the eldership was doing. And then he got appointed to be an elder and, and was going to become an elder. And that close friend said, now remember, it's no longer they, but it is us. Mm-hmm. And it really changed his attitude or changed his kind of perspective of, all right, you know, it's, it's a little different now when I, when I think about I've got to be the one making these decisions and, and be in this mood. And you kind of can understand it. So the more you can come alongside them and think about what they are facing and what they're dealing with, what you were saying is uh, give grace, mm-hmm. be gracious, yes. uh, understanding. And, the, and I think that was a good point that often the complainers are at a distance. They stand back and complain because they don't have that understanding. They don't have the inner workings and, and knowledge. And so it's easy to pick apart. But when you get involved and you, you realize, all right, this is maybe not always as easy as I thought it is to solve all these problems, it can often take away some of the complaints. Yeah. And when it's our work, we're much less likely to be critical. Yes, yes. So and, so I guess when we, we need to try to get those complaining members involved in things and, and get them active. Yeah, I use it. I, I refer to a strategy, and I don't know where I got this. I've never had original thought in my entire life, so I probably did not originate this. But uh, when people are the are the squeaky wheels, the ones that you know are always going to be difficult, if you're planning an initiative and you know that brother so-and-so, he's going he's gonna to complain about mm-hmm. this, uh, I use a uh, strategy which I call enveloping the critic. Mm-hmm. Now, you bring the critic into the process. Now, it's, it's muddy and difficult to do that because they're going to squeak some. Yeah. But at least when it's over with, it's us. Yeah. And so they're a lot less likely to throw on the brakes or to try to erect roadblocks and things like that. So don't, don't try to keep your critics out of the process. Quite the opposite. You need to get them involved in the process because once they're inside they're less likely to try to cause problems down the line. And I think leadership often has a natural tendency to do right the opposite of that. That's right. We have a natural tendency to say, oh, they're going to be upset about this, so let's just make this decision and just announce it, and they just got to deal with it, and we're just going to move on. Mm-hmm. Kind of the you know the ostrich idea. We're just going to stick our head in the sand, and we're going to act like everything's all right, and as long as we don't ask questions or ask for feedback, we'll be fine, and we're just going to go on. And they'll accept it because we're the elders. But what you often do is alienate. You alienate those members, right. those critics, and you maybe alienate a significant population group who feels not valued mm-hmm. and like they had thoughts that, that weren't asked. And yeah, That's an important point because that, that squeaky wheel usually represents another population of people who are saying nothing but thinking the same. Yes. And so communicating these things and involving them in the communication process about things that are being considered is very important. We don't have to, we don't have to do what they at what they're wanting to hear them out right it's just like you know and i've got four kids and i don't think we've ever chosen a restaurant or a, a movie on saturday night that we're going to watch at home or something like that you're never going to choose what everybody wants but you still say guys where would y'all like to eat right and we take you know you take the ideas and then you kind of sort through it and then they have to understand and they appreciate that but they understand they're not always going to get their way 
you know, uh, and so I think that's the same way it is in the, in the congregation and challenges. Mark, where you've shared some rich material here, but I, I want to ask you a question. Um, is there anything that that I've not asked you about, or anything you want to say to kind of wrap this up or conclude this, or, or tips that you'd want to give on communication in a congregation? Well, you know, my wife. Uh, teases sometimes with me how, about how ironic it is that I have a PhD in communication no better than my communication sometimes is at home okay uh, so I, I don't claim to be an expert in this regard but I do know that times when communication has not gone well it's usually because it didn't happen yes most commu most communication is good I mean you can unless you're just ornery and difficult you know most of the time you say this is what's on my mind that gives you something to work with. So I would suggest that we just need to be communicating more. We just That's don't good. communicate enough. We communicate in good faith with the well-being of others in mind. That's always going to be good communication. It's amazing to me how hard communication is. You know, uh, talking about bringing our wives in here, but my wife and I had a conversation about something, and, and it involved a, a number figure. And I thought we had agreed at this number figure. <laughs> she thought we agreed to number figure. So then when I executed the plan and I told her that, she's like, what? That's not at all what we agreed to. <laughs> and, and, and then we talked about that. And it's like, well, I actually think we talked about it. I was assuming one thing. She was assuming one. We both thought we were, but I don't think we actually, actually said the numbers. Mm -hmm. And I think that happens all the time yeah. of assumptions. And, and I would say I left that thing like, oh, we've communicated good. Right. But then a day later I realized, no. We really didn't communicate. We yeah, it's amazing how many times you think something and you think you said it. Yes. You, you, you think people can hear, you think people can read your mind. You don't really, but you just think, well, we talked about so much around that that I'm sure that I said that, and sometimes you just leave out really important. Yeah. But, and I said that was my last question, Mark, but I, I'm going to ask you one more. So we, we've neglected the preacher. Yeah. What role does the preacher have in communication to the congregation? Well, uh, critical. I mean, obviously just from the standpoint of the time that that person spends having the attention of the congregation, his role is critical. Um, first thing that I would suggest is there's got to be clear communication between the elders and the preacher because to some degree the preachers are, in, are asking, excuse me, the elders are asking the preacher to represent them in terms of sharing spiritual ideas. So, you know, I want, a, I want a relationship with my elders where I can say, or they can say to me, hey, we, we need a sermon on this, mm -hmm. or we need a series of sermons on this. Cause the, and I, I love that because it, it says to me the elders are accepting responsibility for the spiritual well-being of the church. I need to be able then to go to them and say, here's something that I'm noticing that I'm, I'm concerned about. I want to make sure that you guys are aware, and you can tell me that I don't need to be concerned about it, but that's what I'm seeing. So that relationship needs to be good. Mm -hmm. Beyond that then, um, to some degree, the preacher is the voice of the church. He's got more time standing in front of the congregation than anybody else. And so uh, what that means, among other things, is that there needs to be such a relationship between the, first of all, the preacher and the church leaders, the elders and deacons, so that he is supportive of the ministries of the church, including the ones that don't involve him. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, So being able to feature those, I think particularly about missions. You know, if your preacher doesn't care what our missionaries are doing, he's not going to be saying anything about that, and the congregation can quickly and easily forget about their missionaries. Mm -hmm. But if your preacher cares about those people, if he knows them personally, he understands what their ministry is about, uh, then he's able to 
use examples, be able to call attention to those kinds of things, mention them by name, and, and uh, be supportive in that regard. It's also true that uh, if the elders are seeking to accomplish a particular part of their purpose or mission, that the preacher has the opportunity to articulate that. And so elders who try to do something without involving the preacher, I think, are shooting themselves in the foot because the preacher really just has that kind of voice and that kind of impact. Even if he's not a super charismatic guy and everybody doesn't really love him, he still has an opportunity to be a voice. And so I think that the, uh, the preacher needs to be able to, to do those things for the leaders. The other thing is, you know, Fred Craddock says uh, that the sermon, and I would argue more broadly than that, the ministry of the preacher is like a rope and in order to be able to do something, it's got to be connected at both ends. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's got to be connected to the congregation. It's also got to be connected to the, to the word. But the same thing is true of the ministries of the church. Uh, the preacher needs to have such a relationship with the people, needs to be connected and uh, in relationship with them so that it matters what he says about something. But he also needs to be connected enough to the church's leadership and the mission and things like that so that when when he speaks, he's speaking as a voice for that. So that's, it's a critical role, I would argue, in those kinds of things. And so now when I preach, I don't like, preach, I don't like preachers to spend the first five minutes talking about mm -hmm. stuff, you know. I want to see them get into the lesson. They've got a moment to capture the, to capture the church's attention. If they squander that, they're likely not to get it. But interspersed in various things that the preacher does from the front of the auditorium, even in the midst of the sermon, which connect the, uh, the, the biblical and, and spiritual realities that uh, he's talking about to practical ministry are good for the sermon and they're good for the congregation and the preacher's credibility and the elder's leadership. So all of those things go together. Yes, yeah, so we're, we're kind of wrapping, we're kind of coming back full circle because this is exactly where you started with the vision. Mm -hmm. And communicating that vision through stories, through lessons, through it's through the atmosphere that we project, and the preacher is going to be central in that. And so the elders have to make sure he's on board with that, and he has to, if he's going to be successful, be on board with the elders' vision. Right. And and he's going to communicate that in so many ways, and so it, he does play a great and important role yeah. in it. Good thoughts. We want to um, invite our listeners uh, to attend our church leadership workshop. Uh, it's entitled this year Ministry Essentials, and it's going to be Friday, September 29th, beginning at 3 o'clock, and it involves an evening meal. It involves a keynote lesson that night by Chris McClurley. McCurley. It also involves uh, lessons on worship that evening, and then you're welcome to stay at Mid-South Youth Camp. And then on Saturday, September 30th, we'll have a breakfast. We'll have a uh, keynote by Larry Ivory. We'll have classes around mission and ministry dealing with how churches can uh, revamp their mission program, how they can be more of an evangelistic congregation. Uh, we'll have classes around ministry related to addiction and the benevolent ministry. And then we'll have lunch together, have a keynote by Andrew Phillips, and then we'll have lessons on membership and maturity. It will all end about 3.30 to 4 o'clock. And all of this is free, including the meals, including the lodging if you want to stay at Mid-South Youth Camp. But we do need you to register at supportingspiritualleadership.com. You can find the whole schedule there, all the speakers. You can find details about the arrangements. And please register uh, for your men 
for uh, families that are coming to be with us on September 29th and 30th. Mark, you've been a part of that for years. Any, any word of uh, encouragement on that you'd like to say about it? Well, it's a great occasion, partially just because it gets people together. I remember sitting at the table last year with some people, two or three different congregations represented there, and just talking about some of the things that were going on in their churches and the way they handle some things. So there's a, there's a, a percolating that takes place as you get people from different places together. Be very beneficial, and one of the things I really appreciated is if a church can bring its entire eldership and preacher with them and use this as a time to draw closer together. Those conversations that take place in informal settings during the evening are really great, but also just seeing what other people are doing can add some new blood to the ministry of the church. So I hope that you'll take advantage of that. It's a great occasion. Amen. That's kind of our aim and go in this is to facilitate all those things that Mark spoke of and to provide an opportunity for, for church leaders to get together and communicate, mm-hmm. and which we talked about here today. Thank you for listening. And we invite you to continue to listen uh, to other podcasts, uh, hear uh, other episodes of our podcast, and look forward to being with you in future episodes in Season 2. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fried Harmon Leadership Podcast. For more great content and to see the services the Center for Excellence in Spiritual Leadership offers your local congregation, please visit www.supportingspiritualleadership.com. Until next time, remember, God uses ordinary people to lead his people into extraordinary feats.